Oh, the bugs give it the flavor and the worms give it the taste. We grind it up, we squeeze it out, we let nothing go to waste. We've always made cider this way, but this year we've modernized. We now use worn out pantyhose to strain out all the flies. But it's government inspected, well, the best that you can buy. But us local folks that make it, we won't give the stuff a try. Hello and welcome to the first Calgary Folk Music Festival podcast for 2009. I'm your host, Kenneth Barima. Today's podcast features interviews and music from Buzz Job, the true story of Cal Cavendish, playing at the Ironwood Stage and Grill in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, February 5th to 10th and 12th and 13th, 2009. The Calgary Folk Music Festival is proud to have teamed up with Calgary playwright David Van Bell and musician Chris Demeanor with his crack band to tell the incredible, but forgotten, true story of Cal Cavendish. Picture it. It's 1975 during Calgary's first oil boom. Pierre Trudeau hasn't dreamed up the National Energy Program yet, and the city's awash with money. Everybody's making a buck, except for singer-songwriter Cal Cavendish. He's had success, put out four self-financed albums, wrote the theme for CBC Radio's Wild Rose Country, and was even the subject of a 1973 National Film Board short, Cavendish Country. But Cal makes his living as a security guard at a Kmart and dreams of the big time that just isn't coming. He's fed up. Wild rose growing by the road. Wild rose everywhere you go. From the open range to the rolling hills to the mountains. Welcome to wild rose country. I just decided it would be a... Sounded like a good idea at the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the fuel prices are rising And the rate's going down I'm hauling for free From city to town One-third for... On April 11th, 1975, Cal Cavendish takes matters into his own hands. The events that follow are what makes up Buzz Job. David Van Bell explains. Buzz Job is uh, a half theater, half music hybrid about a guy named Cal Cavanish. It's a true story from the first oil boom in Calgary about a frustrated musician who sort of got pushed to the edge and did a very drastic thing. Uh, if you don't believe it's my city, you look how big it grew since I fertilized it. <laughs> Cal got into his single-engine uh, Luscombe 8A aircraft and he took off from Springbank Airport. And over the course of an evening, he buzzed downtown Calgary, uh, by which I mean he flew at close proximity to the Calgary Towers and down uh, major avenues in downtown Calgary at a height of 100 feet off the deck. And as he flew through, he first dumped out 100 copies of his latest single called Government Inspected and then doubled back and dumped out 100 pounds of manure onto 9th Avenue. Well, this brewery had a mascot, this fuzzy alley cat, and eating cats. Of course, Cal remembers it as if it was yesterday. We'd been promoting a chick singer by the name of Sally D. And Sally D had the A side of the record. And I wanted her side to be uh, 
promoted. And uh, as a matter of fact, her hubby, she came from Nova Scotia, and her hubby was a rancher out in Acme Way. And I was a struggling rent-a-cop, so I didn't have much money, but I had a song. I had a song, and I had a, a contacts at a studio. So I took her and put her on the, uh, what record did I have there? The cop record, cop record, record label. That was my label. Nice. And uh, uh, Sally D had the A-side. And because uh, uh, her hubby put up the money to get her recorded. And then I said, well, it's her record. And then we got to talking in the band. And we said, well, we got to put something on the other side. <laughs> so I said, well, I, I guess. Why don't we have the world's first unisex record? <laughs> so I, uh, I recorded an absolutely outrageous thing that I thought nobody would ever play. It was called Government Inspected. Oh, the bugs give it the flavor, and, and the uh, worms give it uh, the taste. That's the, the I, I had a hundred of those, and roughly a hundred pounds of manure. Where'd you get the manure? Alongside the landing strip out there, east of town. We now use worn out panty hose to strain out all the flies. Though it's a story that you think every Calgarian would know, that's just not the case. Chris Demeanor, who according to Cal bears an uncanny resemblance to his younger self, thinks it's a story that deserves retelling. I'm amazed at how many people don't know about it who were in Calgary at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was on the cover of the Herald, and it seems like one of these sort of parts of Calgary lore that, it, that everybody would be familiar with. Yeah. Because really, not a lot of exciting things happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it felt like, yeah, yeah, like that part of that lore, like this should be like one of the founding stories of Calgary. Yeah. You know, there should be a story that we would own as a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because they had that whole thing at the Glenbow about like mavericks, mavericks. Of, of Alberta and, you know, wow, Cal ought to be there. Yeah, so, totally. It was my worst and best moment. It was the worst because I, I turned my back on my music and society, and then I'd been a law-abiding good little boy all my life, and here I was at 35, and uh, I was still a starving songwriter working as a rent-a-cop. So uh, I'd been straight-laced all these years, eh? Then I throw away the traces completely and do this, eh? Well, that didn't make me very popular with a lot of agents that were looking at me. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, my, uh, my contacts in Nashville wrote me off as being irresponsible. Now, where would they get this idea I from? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, and, and, and the, the best thing that happened was uh, it got me out of the sad songwriter thing and... And then uh, I, uh, I started making money. I found out that in society, if you do other things... Besides music? Besides music, <laughs> people really pay you for it. <laughs> they don't pay you for art. No. <laughs> and, uh, and in the end, one of the best things that happened was I had money, which I lavished, 
uh, not lavished. Uh, I spent more than I, the, the average guy. Like I would probably have, who had my house paid for 20 years ago, mm-hmm. if I hadn't been running productions on my music in. Because I was always off in somewhere in left field. I kind of hoped that the mainstream would grab Super Cal, but, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen. So I kept producing my records and tapes, eh? And uh, 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 so I kept hoping that uh, uh, someone would recognize me. But in the meantime, I ran productions both on both sides of the border. Uh, he was fined four thousand really? dollars, um, which you know, and, and it could have been worse. I mean, he 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 was lucky and and probably fortunate that he did not get jail time. Although apparently, his stunt was under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Transportation, and apparently they didn't have um, they didn't really they didn't have jurisdiction over sort of deciding whether or not it was a jailable offense or yeah. not. But they were they are allowed to do fines for reckless. Flying, which is basically yeah. what he got, was a four thousand dollar fine for for reckless flying and endangering probably people's lives. And it was um, more like breaking a bylaw than it was yeah. breaking a criminal law. And and Cal even said that he was probably fortunate and that he had a judge with a good sense of humor. Because <laughs> when he told him that he had, when Cal had told the judge that he consulted a physicist to find out what the terminal velocity of a forty five flying out of an airplane would be, because um, he didn't want to hurt anybody, the judge laughed and was like, "Okay, you know." Yeah, he just gave him the fine, and that was that. So, the, the, but you know, at the time, four four grand is a lot yeah. of money for a guy who's making a dollar seventy five as a as a security cop, and and so yeah, he had to sell his stuff. And well, yeah, and the big repercussion of it is, uh, even though he didn't go to jail, and we cover this a bit in the show, is that it was kind of the end of his career because he uh, couldn't uh, uh, afford to uh, with the fine, he couldn't afford to stay in music, and so. He uh, sort of quit music, and as he said, he joined the real world. Got a truck driving job uh, in the oil patch, and uh, that's where he is today. At 68 years old, he's still a truck driver. Down from the Snowflakes fall down from the sky. You can I guess I wanted to be a, uh, a, a, a successful musician. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I had the moxie enough to do it, or whether I had the skills to do it, uh, or whether I had the talent to do it, but there's a lot more talented people that made it, and a lot less talented people that have made it, Isn't too. Isn't that true? You know? <laughs> so, I kind of bet that I was somewhere in the middle, and just maybe. And it wasn't happening. So, so today, we have a house. I have a truck and trailer all paid for. It's an old truck and an old trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm working for a, a company that works north and south for the oil patch mostly. And then uh, uh, sometimes I haul nitrate for explosives and stuff. Trucking is certainly a big part of Cal's life. He's done at least two cassettes that feature recordings of semis as soundtracks. The highway and the life one leads upon it figure strongly in Cal's music. One song in particular is the highway song. Remember, I drove for my dad for years and years and years, and then later on on the highway. And so the highway's been so much in my life that uh, it was just a natural thing to have happen to you. I I can't remember why or when I wrote it. I know... um, uh, Highway song 
the people that have listened to it, especially in the folk clubs of the uh, of the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies, mm-hmm. uh, once or twice through it, and you knew the song. Yeah, it was that natural. It's not natural, eh? So, uh, and some people had the ability, which I. I guess where the harmonies are. Some people thank God for churches. They know how to harmonize. Yeah. And it used to be a real rush, as you were talking about being yeah. a musician, to have other people sing, sing. back to you or sing with you. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, I know every time in Calgary when I do my gigs, just about... That was, that song was on my my docket or my 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 top of my guitar for just about every concert because people like to sing along with highway song. So that was an original song that people knew in Calgary. Well, I sing a highway song.
surprising in that I thought he was going to be kind of like a uh, a rebel cowboy kind of guy you know I wasn't even sure if he was going to get on board with the project at first or like if he was just going to tell us to get lost um, but what struck me the most about Cal is actually what a you know what a, what a sensitive dude he is actually he's, he's really um, he's like he's got an artist's soul to him and, and was not kind of the in your face rebel that I, I had expected. He's more just was, it really struck me as being kind of a guy that had been pushed to his limit and had to just sort of stand up and say no more. Yes, they're taking out the line. They're pulling up the rails. All they're leaving Oh, the railway is just a dusty trail. Yes, well, taking out the line is, well, in, in Cal's words, it's something that, you know, every good folk singer ought to have a song about trains, basically. And uh, the neat thing about this song is that Cal has a real connection to to the land and to Western Canada and to sort of the working man. He really, he really respects and romanticizes, you know, miners and farmers and, 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 um, and so he, he, he had a real emotional reaction to a meeting with an older man once about, who, who talked to him about the fact that he'd worked on a farm, been um, uh, excited about the, the coming railway and, and started working on the railway. And then as he grew older, he saw the rail line get pulled up and, yeah. and, and, and the, the rail line become sort of an ex- extinct or defunct. And, and, and so he, uh, the song is, is about that. It's about the, ta- the, the ripping up of the rail line. One, two, three. Yes, they're taking out the line They're pulling up the rails All they're leaving of the railway It's just a dusty trail Yes, they're taking out the line They're pulling up the rails And this old man, he sure does miss the rumble and the way From the main line to the end I know every grade and band I worked the tracks when I was young I've seen the diesels when they come Yes, they're taking out the line they're pulling up the rails And this old man, he sure does miss The rumble and the wail Sure I know the trains are gone But their ghosts still rumble on And in the dark and stormy night I heard a rumble, I saw a light Where they were taking up my lines They were pulling out my rails 
And this old man, he sure does miss the rumble and the way. Oh, this old man, he sure does miss the rumble and the way. We wanted to make sure that, first of all, he was okay with with his story being told, that we wanted him to be secure in the fact that we weren't just just going to um, you know tell a story about a, a wacky guy who does a wacky thing you know mm-hmm. like that it was it was actually we wanted to talk about what brought him to that point what was his past like what was his experience <clears throat> in Calgary in the early 70s like uh, what was it like to be a musician at that time we really wanted to to cover a lot of ground and of course include the buzz job because it's you know yeah. um, it, it was not only was it sort of a crazy thing to do, it was actually an incredible feat. Like like the the skill that he that one needs as a pilot to be able to navigate through, you know, through some towers and and, and dump a bunch of stuff while you're the only guy flying the plane, and then be able to land it without any lights in the middle, uh, you know, in the middle of the prairies in the dark. I mean, it, it was quite an. Uh, the more we we found out about it, the more interested we were in it as a as an actual in the act itself, and so there was so much to the story that we wanted to tell that we, yeah, of course we sat down with Cal and we're like, first of all, are you okay with this? Um, and his wife, Shirley, who was, you know, who, who's great and, and, and makes sure that she sort of protects Cal's interest, made sure, you know, it can't be just about the buzz job. We want it to be about the music right. as well. So, and we had all that in mind. We definitely wanted to have his music in there. We wanted to have the backstory. We wanted to make it a, a, a rich story. So, we uh, interviewed Cal. A lot of the stuff in the in the script is based on on uh, lengthy interviews with Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, when we did the, finish the script, we we gave it to him. We wanted to run it by him, make sure that he was happy with it. Um, so yeah, he we made we wanted to make sure that he was completely on board yeah. um, through the writing and and and, and that he's on board through the performance. If there's one thing you'd expect in Cal's music, it would be songs about flying. Trucks, trains, and of course planes. 1AM Calgary is just such a song. Uh, that, that happened sort of, kind of, with the National Film Board. Uh, I've been on my first big jet ride when the National Film Board asked me to go down and do some sun soundtracks in Montreal. And I'd never been on a jet before. I'd flown just about across the United across Canada in my little airplane, mm-hmm. but I'd never had the bread to get on a jet. So like when I got on that DC-8, I was sure that thing would never be able to get off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and anyhow, I, I wrote the song 1 a.m. about about coming back from Montreal after selling. And as you remember, he puts his leading edge to go down and that nose starts rising high. And as a pilot, I could, I could feel and see what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not an airline transport pilot, but, but a private pilot. Mm-hmm. So I could feel the way the plane was handling. And, uh, uh, and the storyline about coming home, win or lose, I'm coming home, 1 a.m., Calgary. He's coming home. And, and uh, as for the hair up and curlers, I'm kind of laughing at it because my sister-in-law, Meg, uh, and my mother, 
they were all the old girls, uh, not older girls, but of that gener of that generation. That's how they went to bed uh, with, with their hair up in curlers. And and if you went down to pick up your hubby at the airport, and you already had your hair up in curlers, you wouldn't take him down to go and you'd put a kerchief on it and you'd yeah. go go out to the airport. So that's that's about with their with her kerchief uh, with her hair up in curlers. She'd come out and welcome me, and her open arms would tell me why I'm home in Calgary or something like that. And so Calgary was home yeah. when, when I got down there, and it still is. Fifty people on this plane don't seem to hear a sound. The shutter has beaten wings rush high above the ground. It's clearing down below. See the tiny prairie towns The farm lights shine like diamonds As the air is westward bound Then I feel that leading edge go down And that low starts rising night She rolls in while it's heavy Hanging in the wind sky I'm coming is rolling slowly then I see that neon glow I miss that damn old cow town even more each time I go it's a new and growing city in a wealth of all her life and that little concrete toadstool sure can be a welcome sight Kids will all be sleeping when I feel that prairie air And I'll wait for honey killing time with that old missionary With a kerchief on her curlers, she'll drive out and pick up me And her loving arms will tell me why I'm home in Calgary And I feel that leading edge go down And the nose starts rising high She rolls and ball is heavy Hanging in the winter sky I'm coming home and I'm tired of selling Bringing back what's left of me When I lose, I'm coming home In my mind, Chris's songs are sort of the bridge between the first oil boom and the second oil boom, and you know we're still in that, regardless of what the rest of the economy is doing. Um, 
And in some sense, it makes the show not just about what happened back in the 70s, but about what's happening today. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that really excites me about the story is that this play is as much about Calgary in 2009 as it is about Calgary in 1975. I've got a thousand dollar mortgage and a million dollar wife. As David explained earlier, Buzz Job is a hybrid, but not only of music and theater. It's also a hybrid of Cal's and Chris's original music. As Chris explains, by taking inspiration from Cal's 300-song repertoire, he was able to create that bridge between past and present. Hope and Hate is one such song. It, it was inspired by a line of, of, of Cal's in that uh, he said, you know, a man can't live on hope and hate. And um, I believe he was referring to his, his father, who, who was also in many ways a, a, a struggling artist and... Um, perceived himself to be a, a failed artist. He was a photographer and, and, and wrote, wrote um, nature books and photography books. With, uh, and, and there was the promise of, of, of getting published and then the promises were always squashed by you know, the publisher changing editorial staff or, or change of circumstances or, or no, have, not having enough money. And so um, uh, I, I changed the story. I, I used that line, a man can't live on hope and hate. And I sort of contemporized it and imagined it um, from the, uh, using uh, that feeling or that sentiment um, as it might relate to uh, a man working in the in the in the corporate world or the or the, or the oil sector and, and how no matter what business you're in you know I kind of wanted to take it out of the the world of the realm of the artist everybody struggles to make right. a go and everybody you know. Um, lives on hope to a large extent and a lot of people are bitter it's not just you know it's, it's not people on the fringe of the of, of of the world it's everybody so so that piece yeah tries to tries to tie in that sentiment with a sort of modern context kevin was the king of marketing in skirfield hall he'd hold court with the girls next to the flashing index wall and the dean gave him a sweet lead with a top insurance firm but the new boys are the first to go and big boys crash and burn a man can't live on hope and hate the gate will close the demons wake a man can't live on hope and hate at the next job kevin dreams of cubicles with mountain views he's financing a lexus but he hopes to upgrade soon and stephanie the new girl is the niece of the vp so when it comes promotion time well you know what that means can't live on hope and hate This rag is quick to saturate A man can't live on hope and hate Kevin's wife Maria picks the carpet for the den Calls the realtor when she hears the neighbors came from Pakistan She moves back east, Kevin is the last one to suspect It was only her prescription that was keeping her in check A man can't live on hope and hate The darkest path to navigate A man can't live on hope and hate in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lonely Timson weed Back in the saddle again 
Kevin hits the sports bar and he plays it cool and tough. He knows the dream has fallen short but hopes that it's enough. Enough to win a woman and to make his parents proud. And to get his brother Jeremy to shut his goddamn mouth. The man can't live on hope and hate. Keep those eyes on compromise. A man can't live on hope and hate. I have a truck that's waiting for me out of town. And, uh... I'll go back in the spring, at least uh, people aren't beating the doors down to uh, to have Cal Cavendish do gigs. But I am, uh, I kind of would like to sing my songs again. Mm-hmm. I would like to have, like you say, uh, have that contact, uh, make people smile, make people feel something. Uh, and like I tell them, I'm pure pork, I am a ham. <laughs> Buzz Job, the true story of Cal Cavendish, runs February 5th to 10th and 12th to 13th, 2009 at the Ironwood Stage and Grill in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thanks for subscribing to the Calgary Folk Music Festival podcast. And thanks to Cal Cavendish, Chris Demeanor, and David Van Bell, as well as co-producer Johanna Schwartz for today's podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring our podcast, check us out online at www.calgaryfolkfest.com. Until next time, I've been your host, Ken Abrima. Have a great one. But I'm still gonna go again. And my old man, he was a worker. I learned to trade from his hands. I work a while and the devil smiles By the edge of the town I stand And I've talked long to them hippies Waiting by the broad highway Underneath that hair there's a few that care And I listen to what they say And I've caught rides with the poor folks And I've caught rides with the rich They think I'm free, they wanna be me But tonight I sleep in the ditch Well I can get so tired of living And I sure feel darn bad Then I sing a song of moving on And the love that I almost had But you don't know where I come from And you don't care where I've been But if you need a friend Till the highway ends I still am a-traveling